You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. In the record button. Recording in progress. How you doing? Uh, I'm in my new podcast studio. I see and, that. Uh, it's it's looking solid. I like all the ska memorabilia. Thank you. Yes, we've got Desmond Decker, the king of ska, Omnigon and Catbite, great ska bands from the left coast and the east coast. Of course. Uh, Bad Brains Pay to Come, which is not only my favorite song, but also my favorite pastime. Okay. And, uh, you know, Blacklisted Eye for an Eye, you can't beat it. Now, uh, Ian, before we go any further, firstly, it's good to meet you. Uh, how you doing? And secondly, I saw something the other day that was uh, uh, it, it's I, I don't tend to get intimidated because I've I've failed on so many levels and so many stages and everything. So you I know me both, to, bro. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's no sort of thing. But my YouTube suggested to me uh, a Nick Mullen, Mike Racine. Uh, interview on a very local looking podcast, like the most local, like two dudes in the, like the, you know, like the comedy barn of, of Tulsa interviewing th- these two guys that are touring comedians. And the comments were fucking brutal because it was these two amateur hour dudes with professionals. And they, it was, so what I'm trying to say to you, Ian, don't be funny on this podcast. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. You got it. I went into a, a different realm when you were describing this. Describe to me again. You, you looked me up on YouTube and you found what? No, I was, I'm familiar with your work. I like your work. I, but okay. YouTube, I like YouTube, yours too. Thank you very much. Uh, YouTube suggested to me, uh, it, I've got a relatively offensive YouTube algorithm. And this was on the inoffensive level of it. Yeah, so, it's a running joke on this podcast that pretty much I'm at the stage of YouTube where I get suggestions from show. I get recommends that are just things like there's an actual YouTube channel called just some clips of right wing stuff. Right. So <laughs> I get, I get, sh- I get shit like that. Right. Uh-huh. Occasionally I get, you know, comedians, et cetera. And the other day I got Nick Mullen and uh, Mike Racine doing a very local like just like i don't want to disrespect these guys they're probably more successful than i am but the two guys that gotcha okay so so they were on promoting a gig on these on like a local guy's podcast or radio show right Uh, uh, yes that's what it was but it honestly felt like they must have been like like slipped a mickey and just woke up their saw style because there's no way that you would just agree to this right so like it was but the (laughs) The comments were the comments were what you would think they were, which was like just pointing out the difference between somebody who is professionally funny and uh-huh. someone who is kind of mildly amusing on a fucking right. podcast. Yeah. So Eric and I are not funny. And we only call this a comedy podcast so that we can get away. So like if we say something fucked up, we can kind of like, oh, it's just yucks. You know what I mean? Oh, it's, I love it. It's just jokes, man. We're just, we're just I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I I should have been there to stop the Trump raid. Right. I'm kidding. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Wow. So, he, he knows us so well. <laughs> so, Ian, what I'm begging you, man, is don't be too funny because it's going it, to point out the differential in this unpleasant way. So we can talk about your taxes. We can talk about your family <laughs> trauma. But just like don't be don't be too on. You know what I'm saying? Because then you'll just outshine us in this disgusting way. Listen, man, I got to tell you, you hired the wrong guy. I'm always wrong. I'm always on. I've got worms in my brain and I can't turn it off. I have a diseased mind. I will find everything funny and it gets in the way of every single one of my personal relationships. So don't worry at all. I'll steer the funny car. You guys just take it to fun town. How's that? That's uh, listen, there's this uh, Michael Ian Black. We can agree that this man is funny on on film, right? I love him. Okay. You got to listen to his interview with uh, Brett Easton Ellis. Michael Ian Black for two hours does not say a single funny thing. (laughs) And it is remarkable. I actually had a lot of respect for it because it was like, oh, wait a second. This dude's an actor. He's not like, I I don't know if he calls himself a comedian or whatever, but he's a fucking actor. You got to feed him lines to be funny. And, uh, that's you can be Michael Ian Black today. You don't have I love to. it, dude. I got to I got to tell you, I so I shot a pilot in 2020, February. No, early March of 2020. I shot a pilot with Michael Ian Black. Mm. It was at a mansion in New Rochelle, New York. Uh, it He played the narrator and like the host and he was in like a silk robe and he's got a snifter and it was almost like a choose your own adventure uh, type thing. It was like this interactive thing where I played a robber along with another guy and he was narrating what was going on. And the, the watcher, the viewer would Michael Ian black would be like, now this is a situation you don't want to be in. Would you call the police or would you suck the guy's dick? And uh, I couldn't, frantically enough, it suck the dick, suck the dick, yeah, suck, suck the, the dick. dick please. <laughs> oh, you want to rob my house? I'm going to rob your sperm bank. Let's go. So I was in this pilot. I play like a robber. It's in a mansion in New Rochelle. We wrap, I would say, maybe March, I don't know, 7th, 8th, 9th, whatever. We wrap on like a Friday. That Monday, the very first recorded case of COVID was three blocks away in New Rochelle. And I was I was blocks away from ground zero of New York COVID filming a pilot with Michael Ian Black that went nowhere. Wow. You, you both could have died for nothing. I know. I know. <laughs> for nothing. If if I if I had died from COVID for shooting a pilot in a mansion where I'm not even in it, bro. I had a pig mask on because I was a robber. You didn't even know it was fucking me. If I die because I got a fake hammer and a pig mask on, and I'm robbing Michael Ian Black. You better goddamn well play the pilot at my fucking funeral. Yeah, make sure it gets some eyes on it. Uh, now, here's a question for you regarding this. What stage of your career are you at? When somebody calls you for, I mean, you're on our podcast, so things aren't going too great, but like, but when, I mean, can, can you give yourself some credit? Don't be self-deprecating. I am a huge drug church fan. Uh, Eric hit me up and I was trying to find the ignore button, but then he (laughs) said drug church. And I said, 
I'm fucking in, dog. Let's do it. And just want to correct you. My career is fucking doing great. I'm on a rocket ship, baby. And the drug church is just a sticker on my rocket headed to the moon. And I'm uh, for that. yes, yes, I, I did try to cancel multiple times. But anyway, glad to be here. <laughs> That's what. So Eric's full time gig is a producer. And that's why he's good at his job is because he doesn't let squirrely talent sort of like dodge out of the responsibilities. Yeah, no, no. That's yeah. I, I told Eric, I said, I got COVID. He goes, it's on Zoom. I go, I lost my voice. Fuck. <laughs> There's no getting away from so, me. And the reason I ask about the career stuff is like, so I never done any acting. Uh, explain it to me when you get an offer that you know is going to go nowhere. Cause, cause Eric has done this as a producer where he's, he's had gigs where everybody involved with it knows it probably won't get picked up, but somebody saw fit to finance it. You know what I mean? Do you take these gigs now? Like if Michael Ian black called you and say, Hey, we're getting the gang back together. Do you, yeah. do, you do you go up to new Rochelle? Except it's a monkey pox thing. Do you go up to new Rochelle for the new monkey pox? Uh, yeah. And I give them the little finance variant. Cause I got to put my spin on it. You know, if I'm getting monkey pox, <laughs> I'm making it mine. You know, <laughs> I'm saying new Rochelle, you gave us COVID. I'm bringing you the pox. Let's do it. That's all now, part of the, that's part of the rocket ship. That's you, yes. you, 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 you conquer TV, you conquer podcasts, you conquer film, yep. and then you get your own monkey pox variant. That's, that's right. Rocket ship. Yep. And I'm infecting everybody, baby. Let's go. Let's fucking go. Well, well, that's the next question, actually. Let's go. Let's flow into monkeypox. Let's keep it topical. Uh, now, you're, you're somewhat famous for your bon vivant lifestyle. Is that fair? Yes. I, that, is a, that, is a, that is the most eloquent thing I've ever heard describe a deviant lifestyle. And I appreciate it. And I thank you, Patrick. <laughs> you're very welcome. Now, do you have any concerns about monkeypox? No, none at all. Um, I am just, you know, going with the flow. I'm doing what I usually do, which is, you know, when I finish my spots at the cellar on a Thursday night, I just, you know, cross myself, hold my nose and dive into a pile of boys. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, dude, bro, I'm not worried about it. Cause guess what? Your boy ain't fucking around. I'm not really engaging in any of that stuff i i just got out of the 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 most uh serious wonderful heartbreaking relationship i've ever been in i'm in no place to share my body or my soul with anyone and i'm past the the age of like like all my wild like glory hole and buy and fucking sucking this and eating that and fucking this mm -hmm. That was like my Bowie phase. Like I really, I feel like they, they can hang my raft, my Jersey on the rafter of famous bisexuals because I, I for the time being, unless I come out of retirement, I, I feel like I'm kind of done. I really have no interest in just kind of living that life anymore. I got plenty of tales to tell. And also like, I am being serious, but on like a wildly serious note, it is so fucking scary anyone that's engaging that type of behavior, it is so completely risky. It, it's truly like, you know, you're going to do what you're going to do, but I feel like you have to have like some sort of detachment to not realize the severity of what's going on right now. And to, first of all, like that lifestyle of promiscuous sex and like being with men and women also as like a guy that sleeps with men and women, I almost have a responsibility to not engage in that behavior. If I'm, 
going from men to women because that's how it can spread to more people. And I, I could never live with myself. I, I mean, during the pandemic, I was calling people being like, I didn't respond to an email for six months. I'm sorry. Do you hate me? I couldn't imagine the level of guilt I would have if I knew that somehow I gave someone monkeypox or some other thing. So I, I'm not fucking around with it. And it just coincides wonderfully with this time in my life where I'm, you know, not engaging in sex with either gender or like anyone. I'm just truly like a cranky old man. Like I just want to watch Sopranos and eat popsicles and go to bed and sleep with my cat until my heart's mended and I can give myself to someone else for the rest of my life. <laughs> so I mean, I, I feel, I feel that, I mean, two things, unless, unless I will say, and I'm sorry to pontificate, but all that said, I would give it up in a heartbeat if uh, Eric offers up that bussy, and then I'll come out of retirement. <laughs> come through. To, listen, I live in West Hollywood. I I'm, I got all the bussy I can handle. Bro, I'm going to be in L.A. this weekend. <laughs> Let's fucking hang, dude. Uh, no, so what he was saying, Patrick, would you care to join? <laughs> I'm in I'm, I'm in Perth, Australia. Otherwise, I would go to uh, I've been watching Vanderpump rules. So I would I would attend pump, which is their gay oh. bar uh, variant. I would I would go to pump in the in the West Hollywood with both you fellas. If I was in town. Wow. You are in Perth, <laughs> Australia. That is a whole different variant of disease. I, I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> right now. Well, well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince and I'm the host of a show called the RR show. It stands for Reddit readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend, and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, well, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show, wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today. And uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. So, I, so okay, so I'm I like Perth, but I'm here for love. This is where this is where my girl lives, and she has a child, so we can't we can't just. I love that, right? That's but great. I ha so my girl very traditional. I have a I have a question for you. Yeah, because you got me thinking when you said you just exited a, a, a relationship that was intense and meaningful, etc. Uh, now, does the bussy chase that you were on for so long? Do you do you ever worry that you're kind of like the damaged skank? that like that a, a serious woman won't want to be with or serious man. You know what I mean? If, if we're going this way, I mean, you can spend all day worrying about X, Y, and Z, but if you do, you're not going to be living in the present. You're going to let that get in the way of something that could come along. That's great. So maybe at one point in time, I'll meet someone there and they're not down with that. That's the case. Well, then they're not the one for me, for me to worry about it. And I used to worry about this stuff, but I'm old enough now. I've been around the block enough to know that like, I can't spend my time living in fear of that. And the the best thing I can do is to be me and to be all of me. And if someone doesn't like that, well, then you know what, sister, it's your loss. You know, I, also, See, I, also, I, I, I like this about you, Ian, because you and I share a thing in common and that we're both unashamed ska fans. 
And that's a level of self-acceptance that that it, you know, because I know plenty of people that will listen to Scott, but they won't actually fucking admit it. I'm I'm yeah. wearing it on my sleeve. I will bop down the street to the Aquabats. So I mean, I I'll tell you this much. I would be better well suited and could find faster a woman that's okay with the fact that, you know, I uh stayed over with some guy and fucking, you know, played wall ball in his asshole for five hours. <laughs> and she'd be more willing to accept that than the fact that I openly love ska. Oh. So, you know, which, which is more shameful, neither. And I'll be proud of, of doing both a fucking men brother. But another thing I just wanted to touch on real quick regarding monkeypox, you, you seem to you, like you would have a lot of guilt for passing that on. But as I understand it, it doesn't it's not fatal. Right. I mean, it's nothing you want. But like, would it not be I, it would be an embarrassing phone call, like, you know, uh, similar to like, you know, if you passed on herpes or something like. Yeah, that. but it's like, brother, a broken heart ain't fatal, but I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. You Fair know, enough. it's I have I have friends that have gotten it. Oh, really? and they are in abject hell Fuck. for like a month of. Ooh open sore lesions that spread via touch so painful to the point that they're begging people to get them Oxycontin so they can sleep at night. Shit. 102 temperature. A friend of mine was just hospitalized for three nights and had to get a CAT scan. And, Fuck. you know, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Sure. You don't die, but also you get these lesions and you, you have facial scar. It's just, it's yeah. You don't, I mean, like, you can measure anything by, well, you didn't die as a positive or negative, but I, I'm not, I'm not fucking around, man. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, that sounds like hell. So maybe I should be more careful out here, I guess. I, uh, are are you, also, are you bi or gay or are you no, just throwing straight, it around, the, no, just, around town? Ian, he, he definitely, there was some level of, did you hear the way that he was asking that question? It was sort of like a weird cope that he was doing where he's like, <laughs> You don't have to tell everybody what you give them, right? Like, oh, bro, he's, I he's straight up that was that wasn't a, a question. That was a research question. That was <laughs> that was the same way I talked to my friends when they got COVID to being like, hey, are you all right? So how long did you have a scratchy throat? You know, like doing <laughs> like trying to feel out what I should do and how I should act through my feigned concern of them. <laughs> No, I'm yeah, just wondering exactly how, right. how, like, how much actual concern for monkeypox I should actually have. I mean, the legion, the lesions don't sound good. You should be concerned about lesions. Always. No, yeah, have you good. seen the pictures? It's yeah, I can't do that. I, shit. Yeah, and no, I can't. It's hard for me to look at. I'll wait. I'll wait Bro. till I'm at a. I'll wait till I'm at a noise show, and it's, they're projecting it behind the the band. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that'd I, be that's great. When, that's when I'll accidentally see it. Yeah, I mean, so even it. Well, I was just gonna say, like. There's so much misinformation as well. Like somebody was, I was hanging out with a friend and she was like, you, you could get it from clothing. Someone got it from a laundromat. I'm like, what? And then I'm, we're going to a movie and I'm like, am I going to get it from the seat? And then like, you know, we're in a heat wave in New York city. I'm on the train. The, the pole in the subway is cool. I put my neck on it. And then for the next hour, I'm scrubbing my chin off with a oh, cheese God. grater. Like, Oh God, I'm going to get it. Yeah, this is a uh, toilet seat AIDS uh, level of uh, misinformation out there. Yeah, I know. What's actually so, what's what's going on in New York? Because we, so we used to be a New York podcast. I we moved out here. Pat moved on to Australia. I don't know. I don't like 
I know it's hot as fuck. I saw a fucking they were like hosing down uh, one of those like carriage horses because it would had like heat exhaustion. And I thought fucking de Blasio was getting rid of those things. Like what? What is no, that? That was just one of our fat chicks uptown. <laughs> what? Hey, come on. A comedy <laughs> podcast. It's a comedy, it's a comedy podcast, Ian. The comedy <laughs> podcast. We got fat horse face women up in the Bronx. <laughs> How is it in New York? What's going on there? What's what's the what's the vibe this summer? Bro, the, the vibe is I, I am becoming a lurching sweat monster wherever mm. I go. I'm like, I got to arrive to my spots early because I'm just sweating through everything. I ride a bike and I've had to cut back or just go on my long rides in the morning because it's just so dead balls hot yeah. during the day. And then like, there's like this unspoken rule. I, I mean, maybe you can speak to this as a touring musician, but there's probably like rules of how you dress on stage. Like, like you, you wear a certain, you have like a certain motif, you have a certain kind of look. And one of those things for us is you never wear shorts on stage. Guys wear jeans, you wear pants. But lately I've been wearing shorts on stage because I'm just so hot. And it, whether it's I, as, as a, you know, it's, I'm taking it as a compliment. And I, I, I think 99.99% of the people saying it are giving it as a compliment, but they're like, dude, you can wear shorts. You can get away with it. And I, because I'm, I'm not a traditional standup in the sense that I'm like sitting there to, I'm like very wild. I'm very manic. I, I try to be the singer of a hardcore band. Like when I'm on stage, like I get, I throw myself into punchlines. And so like wearing shorts, you know, also I have like leg sleeves. So that in a way is almost like I have pants, you know? So, the, the, this phenomenon going the other way of the guy who never wear. So this was a conversation uh, at the festival in Los Angeles. We, uh, we were just at where uh, the conversation was Scott Vogel of terror. Does he, has he ever, does, has anybody ever seen him in pants? And right. I, I spoke to somebody who knows him really well, who said, no, nah, never, n never seen him in pants. Known him 25 years, never seen him in pants. I now, love that. That's like a different energy. He's got his his stage look that is when you ask about like what do people wear on stage and is there like a thing? There's certain bands to answer your question. Nobody's allowed to wear sneakers. That's on the extreme right. end. You know what I mean? That's like when you're trying to be the smart guy band. Yeah. But uh, I think a good rule of thumb: no shorts except for the drummer. You know what I mean? Like dr drummer, you get special dispensation, but if you are kind of anybody's center of attention and you're wearing shorts on stage, you got to be the shorts band, you know, you got to sell camo shorts basically. Well, Oh dude. Oh my God. I love a pair of camo shorts. I, I blacklisted is one of my favorite bands all time. And George Hirsch, he was a shorts long sleeve shirt guy. I think yeah. that's great. I love shorts, long sleeve shirt, but also like I see these guys, man, in the dead of summer, you know, like this is hardcore or something. And they're like in pants and a hoodie or like long sleeves. And it looks cool, but you know, I, I'm just like, oh, God, they're going to get heat exhaustion. I fear for them. You know, yeah, like, I, I mean, I, I, I just I don't look cool sweating. I look off putting. So I got to do what I got to do to make sure. And I expand so much energy, like when I'm headlining and I'm doing close to an hour, I'm running all over the stage. I'm sweating and I pull out a, you know, a sweat rag like I'm a black preacher and it's Sunday at church. There's no AC. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I got to bless myself. You know, I like gonna, I was going to suggest you go Atlanta black guy and just carry a towel around your neck at all times. 
I mean, bro, that's who I am on the inside, and it's kind of just bleeding out to who I am on the outside. So I welcome it, you know. So how I manifest Southern Black Dude is I think it is. You always keep a Bluetooth speaker in your ear. (laughs) Exactly right. No, I. Ah, now. This was a Jacksonville phenomenon that I. Oh, we from Jacksonville. Come on now, Chuck. Don't play with me, Chuck. Couples wearing the exact same outfit. So like I'd I'd never seen a couple wearing a matching sweatsuit. Like so powder blue, powder blue, walking around the mall. Never saw that before in my life. And that's the one thing. Like when we talk about cultural appropriation, that's the one that I'm like, I just can't resist. When when my girl and I can find matching sweat clothes, we're going to do matching sweat clothes. (laughs) I I love that so much and i salute it do it all the time me and my ex we went to i was doing i used to bring her on the road i i we did a gig in wilkesbury pennsylvania we went to like an outlet store we got adidas knockoff track suits for fucking 11 pants 11 22 bucks total we wore it in the casino we got scooters we're zooting and booting around amazing we did photographs matching whatever i'm like dude this is amazing next time we go out i put the tracksuit on i go let's go out matching again and she goes that was a one-time thing and i'm like but i want to (laughs) so in regards to that you don't you you don't have to you can give me your hollywood age if you want but like but are you past the are you past the rubicon of coolness basically like do you feel any obligation to look cool? Like, would you, like, would you wear like the other day, like I'm not a Disney adult, but the other day I was reflecting on how I got called a, uh, there was, uh, my girl saw a tweet about my, uh, my show in LA where somebody said, this guy looks like a, a geography teacher. Right. And <laughs> I love that. I, I, that's what I said. I was kind of like, you know what? I'm attached. Uh, I'm, I'm happy with my life. Geography teacher's pretty good, you know. What I mean, so are you past the point where you feel any obligation to look cool, or are you still in that mix in some way? A hundred and million percent, I'm past that. I can't remember. I, I I remember specifically when I said, "Not again, never again." Nine eleven, never forget this moment. I, Holocaust. bro, it was a Holocaust of fashion choices. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I would go out. Like I, I went to school in New York City and my friends would go to these clubs and you had to wear a certain outfit to get in. You had to have a certain type of shoes, pants, shirt. And I've never been that guy, even like in high school, in grade school, I never wore what other people wore. Like I, I loved vintage clothes. Like dude, when I was in six, seven, when I was in seventh, eighth grade, my mom would drive me up to Philly and we'd go to vintage clothes stores and I'd get like polyester shit or like some sort of like 70 i've just always liked maybe it's this latent under the surface like desire for attention like look at me it was never like wildly outlandish but it was a fucking look you know and that was cool to me it was cool to no one else i got shit on for it but i liked it for me and i always want to i dress for comfort rather than cool and i'm never about like trying to fit in. I define what's cool to me. And if you don't like it, well then fuck off. Cause what I like is what I like. And you're either going to like it or you're going to think what you think, but you can think what you think. And guess what? 
you're wrong. I'm a cool well, motherfucker. See, once and, again, this is this is the confidence of a man who's not afraid to that he listens to ska. That's, that's, that's the, I use ska as an adjective, man. Something that's cool. That's fucking ska. Someone that's yeah. confident in themselves. That's fucking ska. I went to this club. I had to get a button up shirt. I had to get a special pair of shoes, jeans. Dude, I never felt so like ignored and just like ugh, people looking at me. I just looked so out of place. And I was like, I don't feel good trying to be someone I'm not to get into a place where I have no chance fitting in with these people ever. I never want to do that again. And the only time I ever felt like that before, I was going to see Thursday at the Trocadero in Philly. And I was like into hardcore and scum punk, but like, dude, I had a curly Afro down to my shoulders. I would like wear what, what like Ghostbuster shirts or like fucking, you know, like, I, I don't know, like, and all the hardcore scene at the time was everybody was in cuffed, cuffed black Dickies, Sacconis, or like low top Nike dunks and like the messenger bat. And I wasn't a part of that. And it made me feel like weird because to this Thursday show, I put that outfit on and I looked in the mirror and I was like, this isn't me. And I didn't go to the concert because I was like embarrassed by like, I felt like a poser, you know? And, and so like, I, I just learned to be like, all right, I guess I'll be the kid with the fucking curly Afro at the hardcore show, fucking head walking at Bane at CBGB's. And that's just the way it's going to be, you know, target Ghostbusters shirt. Uh, so, so, so this is fascinating to me and because I, I, I have a, uh, a preconceived idea of comedians, right. Which is Uh that because the ones that are serious, it's like pretty all consuming and and it's your interest, right. That you don't have, you don't have other interests. And Mm -hmm. so, and the reason I say this is because my other gig is in comic books and people I meet in comic books don't know shit about anything except for comic books, right? Like not a th- like if you ask them about some subculture thing, they don't got a fucking clue. So my, my question is, am I wrong about comedians or do you, are you an outlier in the fact that you have interests at all outside of comedy? I mean, I gravitate towards the people that have interests in other things outside of comedy, which is not a lot of people. Um, and I have to do other things. Like I find a kinship with musicians and like different artists, even like tattooers and stuff like they're passionate about their thing. And like, I talk about comedy and I'm so in it so much that it's like refreshing to talk to someone that's not involved in my field at all. But I found myself because it's not just like an interest. It's my livelihood. Like I have to know about my job. I have to be aware of these things. I have to be involved because it's a difference between putting food in my mouth or not. And it's a difference between like, you know, Oh, I want to go on vacation this year. I better be really fucking good at my job. You know, like it's not like just an interest or like a a hobby. It's my fucking life, which is a double edged sword because at times I can align my self worth with my career and how well I'm doing. And if, you know, uh, things I'm I'm not working every weekend. I'm like, oh, this sucks. I suck. And so like, but when it's going great, I'm great. Everything's good. And so yeah, that yeah. is something I try to divorce myself from. And it's really fucking tough. It's really tough because in order to succeed and everything, you got to make it your whole life. And it's really difficult. So outside interests are like really important. Finding a hobby is really important. So I try to do that. And I'll do it and then I'll take a night off to go to like turnstile or fucking lesson Jake. And then I'll 
hate myself for taking a night off. So I can't take a night off for the next month, you know? So like, it's a constant battle. It's a constant battle to like, trust yourself to know you're doing enough. You're working enough. I'm at the point now where I can say no to things. I can turn down a gig. The money's not right. I can say, no, I'm I'm not going there for that. No. But at the same time, if I do take a night off, I like to fill it with things I'm interested in. But then I have so few nights off that when I do get a night off, I don't really want to do anything but just fucking veg out, you know? So you got to get into painting Warhammer miniatures. Bro, this is your new hobby. I think so. I mean, I I love music. That is like my release, like geeking out with people on music or like sitting and listening to records or whatever. You know, I love riding a bike. I love but also like the things I love are things I do to and from my job. You know, so I, I've I've been told like you need a vacation. Do you do anything for fun? Is anything fun for you? And that's something I got to keep in mind and constantly work on, you know? Did you ever, did yeah. you have, were you in bands like back in the day, like maybe high school days or college days? Or oh yeah. I, I was in a ska band from yeah. when I was like 14 to 18. And nice. that was in Delaware outside of Philly. And that became like the thing to do on like weekends when we'd have shows. And so I got involved in music through that. And that like saved my life because I, I, I don't know where I'd be without it, you know? Um, I, I was already like a bad kid. And then that gave me like direction. I got involved in being like straight edge, which is funny because I'm a fucking terrible alcoholic. I'm seven years sober, but I'm an alcoholic drug addict, which is hilarious because I was going to be true till death. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I was true till a hospital gurney, but, uh, (laughs) you know, I like being in bands is so important and like going to shows and everything. Like I couldn't imagine growing up without, a music scene or like sure yeah music yeah. being important to me of like places ago you know and like my a bunch of my friends that i went to school with were all like let's just sit and play video games and then they like make fun of me like oh did you go to your ska punk fuck stick concert and i'm like as a matter of fact i did <laughs> the, the fuck sticks have a new album out it's fantastic yeah, <laughs> that is the name of a ska band yeah. hey guys we're the fuck sticks skank it up <laughs> Uh, here's another YouTube recommend that I got the other day for the incels, which is a uh, Bay area shit punk band, uh, with no vocalist. Everybody go check it out. When I, when I got recommended it, it had 300, 300 views. So, uh, go check out the incels (laughs) obviously recorded on a fucking garage band. Um, but so, okay. Uh, Ska aficionado, uh, get, we don't have to do your life story. I'm just trying to piece it together for people. Uh, I assume that a lot of our listeners uh, do know you. Uh, you are you are a name brand fella at this point. Uh, which actually, speaking of which, in knowing in uh, let us behind the curtain on this comedy shit. Is everybody hating? Is, is everybody it, is what? It, is everybody hating? Is it like music where I know every single band in the world because I'm hating them? Are, 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 Hated? Are, do, do you know other comedians because people are sitting around going, I hate this fucking guy? Oh, hated. Like, are there haters? Yeah, are there haters? I mean, dude, I, honestly, there are, but I don't fuck around with that. I don't like that. 
I don't like being involved in negativity. I do like to shit talk sometimes. I, I mean, it is wildly fun. And I do like being like, oh, that guy stinks. Oh, that uh, <laughs> fuck. But I, I don't spend my time with that. But like we have friends of mine, we have hate watched stuff. Like we were just talking about hate watching like crowd work clips, but it's never like about a specific person. It's basically about like, oh, this set, oh, that sucks. And then moving on. But like, I, I do know people that are just constantly miserable, constantly hating things, constantly negative. And that's not me, man. I can't get down with that. I, I gotta be positive. I, I, it's it's almost to like a thing where it's like detrimental to my mental health in a way because everyone's like, you always brighten up the room. You're always so positive. You always make blah, blah. And I'm like, yes, I'm dying inside, but I'm glad you're having fun. <laughs> yeah. It's it's an edifice. It's all rotten at the core. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, yeah, there is, but I, I don't. I, I don't get down with that. And like you, I, I always stick my neck out. Like if someone's hating on like a friend of mine, I'm like, yo, they're a friend of mine. I don't like this. Or if I'm in a green room and people start to get negative, I'll just get up and leave and like go smoke. You know what I mean? Oh, no. See, this is, this is why I'm straight edge because I'll sit there and just soak in the hate. You know what I mean? I don't, yeah. I don't go out and smoke. I just, I, the hate is my smoke. So yeah. You're like a terror song. <laughs> So here's a question that's going to lose a lot of our listeners because it's, I understand it's like a very much a niche interest, even in probably in comedy. Do you, you said you do the seller. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I work the comedy seller every night. Do you get on with the old heads? Oh yeah. Cause I've tried getting people into Kevin Brennan's podcast and it takes for no one. And <laughs> Bro. I, it is, it is my biggest, th I seriously, I've never loved somebody who would dislike me more. Do you know what I mean? Like I cannot imagine being in his company. I don't think that he would enjoy being in my presence. And for some reason, I want to live in his house. It Bro, you are, you are a straight edge, fucking hate filled, fucking <laughs> Bitter fucking dick. If you fucking love Kevin Brennan. And let me tell you something. I think he is the funniest motherfucker. I hate his negativity. I hate his drama and his shit stirring. But I'm giving him his flowers, man. He is a great fucking comic. He's a fucking lunatic. And I love him. And I laugh from afar. And his little beefs, I don't like. I He can do what he wants. I don't like being involved. But, dude, when it comes down to it, that guy is such a good fucking writer and good fucking comic, and I love watching him on stage. And we we get along. I don't take a shit. I like getting under his skin. But, you know, he's he's a lunatic, but God bless him. He is such a funny motherfucker. Because he, he is on the extreme other end, whereas you you are about that, that warm glow of the positive energy. Uh, yeah, he, he, he is, uh, he's fucking Skeletor of, he, he's just living in that castle made out of uh, bad energy. <laughs> Bro. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. God bless him. But I, I couldn't live like that. You know, like I, I, I've dealt with enough shit, like personally to have that bleed professionally. Like I just like wherever I like going, wherever I go to just be nice, fun, lighthearted, Save your shit for someone else. I'll help you out if you need it. But like all that negativity, man, I, I just I, it's like exhausting, you know, it's yeah, funny because there's it seems like there's a lot of comedians that like I, I think what maybe what Pat was speaking to is like 
that dichotomy of like between the younger comics and then like once you're like an old head, like you've just been in the soup for so long that like this sort of negativity kind of comes over or just like and I'm not saying all old heads are negative, but there are certain ones. I mean, Kevin Brennan is probably the king, the, the, the king of that. But, uh, you know, I, I've always wondered, like, because we're doing this sort of comedian comedy uh, music connection, like when I was younger, coming up punk, ska, hardcore and stuff like that. I found that things get very clicky and then, uh, you know, it kind of turned me off a little bit as you know, like, and then around my late twenties or so I tried fucking around with open mics and I found the same thing where it was like this sort of clicky sort of like, yeah, each of these environments that people sort of organize themselves into little groups and stuff like that. And I think, yeah. I mean, Pat and I get along because we're both like cynical, you know, weirdos and shit like that. But just like that, did you like growing up in music and then going into the comedy yeah. scene? Did you see, did you sort of see similar things like that? Well, first of all, I, I just realized Pat truly looks like he's sitting in a prison cell. Like he, he looks like he's sitting in the back corner of a public school cafeteria. I, I don't understand what sort of cinder block cell you're in, but it's fitting with living in Perth. Um, I on, ch ch check this out. So this is why I opted not to go with a funny background today because this is funny enough and I'm going to show you something. I've done it. I've done it for Eric. I want you to tell me who I am when I do this. Like, all right, all right, all right. Okay. Hold on. Let's get this out of here. Let's get this. Okay. Now you got to picture my arms behind my back. I'm, I'm giving just, <laughs> just my, uh, uh, I, I'm Lieutenant, uh, I'm Lieutenant Patrick Kinlan, Division Four. Uh, the, the United States has to stop their incursion against uh, the Islamic State immediately. Ha! <laughs> ha! Look yes. at this. I, I look like a captive, and I think it is. It's to me, which is so comedy. funny because because Eric has a mission accomplished George Bush thing behind him. Yeah. While he had that up, there were videos being made of men looking like you in situations like that while George Bush thought we won. It's very appropriate, yeah. Yeah. We must we must end this unlawful conflict in the yeah. region. Uh, and and also they said that they will let me go if my wife promises to fuck me and blow me and not withhold <laughs> pussy. <laughs> Yo, that, that's a good scam. Do you know what scam I was saying? This is a sensitive scam. You want to hear a sensitive scam I was reflecting on? Yeah. Uh, so this is dark for a second, but I, uh, and I will let you answer uh, Eric's larger question. Yeah, I don't even have to. But do you remember, uh, well, I, you weren't in the city at the time, I don't imagine, but in, uh, I was in uh, New York uh, at 9-11, and there was all these signs. Uh, uh, people would make, they'd print out little missing posters for their family yeah. members it was really tragic right it was really really affecting and except i was incredibly like young and insensitive and it was it wasn't affecting to me at the time but now, how now, old were you uh early like tw 19 20 21 21 oh so wow. like okay so you you uh so you look at these things and you go Oh man, that I mean, at the time you don't. You you go to the memorial in the hope of meeting girls. Like you're very insensitive at 21. Wait, years, right? wait, wait. What? <laughs> yeah, wait a there second. Like, hold on, hold on, hold I, on. Uh, 
are you Will Ferrell at the end of Wedding Crashers? What What are you doing? You're going to 9-11 memorials to pick up some of that sad 9-11 pussy? You're like, oh, I know your your father died in Tower 7, but, uh, you know, I got quite a Tower and 7 in my pants. Come on over. Are you fucking quick, insane? <laughs> but so here's the thing. When you're young, you oh, the dog's uh-huh. vomiting. Hold on. Um, when, when, when a thing that I don't think gets addressed enough. Well, I, I gotta be honest, tell, tell you the truth. I I mean, I I don't mean to cut in, but I can, I can relate because when I was young, I I went to Auschwitz and tried to pick up some old Holocaust remembrance pussy. So I'm right there with you, brother. You get it. He gets it. Yeah. Okay. So to that, exactly to that point, there's this unfortunate thing where we've painted everything that is kind of like young, young person edgy as wrong now, you know what I'm saying? Right. But like being edgy is part of being a young person. It's part of the joy of it. Like I thought about, I don't know if you remember this. There was a meme from like early days internet of these two girls that were wearing uh, Columbine shooter uh, uh, stretch pants. Do you remember this at all? No. So like they had, they were wearing stretch pants that had, the Columbine shooters on them. And it's obviously like, just like, these are the edgiest girls at your high school. Right. Uh-huh. And like, I love that sort of shit. I never, I mean, and I admit that it's sad that I never grew out of it, but like <clears throat> the, like going to the candlelight Memorial four days after nine 11 to like, to, to like chat up girls is deranged as an like when your like brain is fully formed, you understand that that's deranged, right? But but like as a young guy, we were making nine eleven jokes the first half hour in. You know what I mean? So it's just, I mean, it's, honestly, I, I truly like. I, I was gonna go for the the joke of like even. With an unformed brain, I I wouldn't go to a 9-11 thing to pick up chicks. <laughs> like you're fucked up. You're a piece of shit. But here's here's the thing. I humor is a complete coping mechanism. And yeah. so I do think there is a thing there where some people just aren't good at being funny and some people just aren't good at it. But making jokes right away, making jokes wearing those pants, making a, like some of it's dickhead young fuck you behavior. But I think there is a thing there. Like you were in New York. This happened four days ago. It it happened four hours ago. You're joking as a coping mechanism of like trying to deal with this mass tragedy that you don't probably have the bandwidth or understanding of how to completely process it. What's the best way is to joke about it. Like you don't strike me as a sociopath or a bad guy. Like it's just a thing of like trying to deal with something in the moment. And a lot of times when that happens, you miss the mark because tragedy plus time equals com time plus tragedy or co- tragedy plus time equals comedy. And sometimes there's just not enough time in between or enough time in your life of making jokes so that you can make a good joke right after a tragedy. Some people are great at it. A lot of people swing and miss but to get outraged at that is like they're trying to be funny. Like I, I get it, and and underneath that, it's a coping mechanism. I don't think someone making that joke is a deranged, fucking soulless piece of shit. But if their joke is like calling a number, be like, "I found your husband. Oh, I'm kidding. He died in the tower, bitch." <laughs> and it's like, "Yo, buddy, you gotta figure some shit out." And fucking, you're a bad guy. 
I think we could probably workshop that a little bit and call <laughs> as the husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, honey, I'm really sorry. Yeah, no, no, you go, honey, I'm, I'm, I'm under a piece of concrete. You, you gotta get me. <laughs> yeah, see, now it's it's been workshopped to perfection. Now, yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, so, that's why I'm a professional comic. Yeah, okay, he does. So, I, I agree with you. I, I also like. Uh, and also, I mean, dude, no, no, no. I was kidding around about you, like, being whatever. But, like, yo, how old were you when 9-11 happened? You were, like, fucking 18. You want to get pussy? It's, like, I, I could I, see, like, young kids doing that. But now it's, like, yo, what are you fucking thinking, dude? Right. Well, well, well what's the statute of limitations? Because, like, four days, if you're not, you know, unless you're beaten off regularly, it's, like, you, you might be backed up. You want to go out and look for what? How long do you have to wait between a tragedy, the, uh, a national tragedy, to go out and look for puss? I mean, it, it depends on the proximity of the tragedy, you I know, guess. like if you're losing someone, if you lost someone in 9-11 yeah. or like your your mom is like missing and you're trying to get pussy, it's like, yo, you're a sociopath. But if that it's might like, be true. Yeah, you're not really related to it. Whatever. Like, dude, I had an ex. I used to be a teacher. And when Sandy Hook happened, she texted me and was like, wow, what's going on right now is crazy. I know you're teaching right now. I just wanted to see if you're all right. I'm like, I don't even live in Connecticut. I get that you're trying to slide back in there. And you know what? I respect it. And I'll let it happen. Yeah. You know, uh, you should have called uh, just work. Let's build off the, the joke a little bit. You should have called her and been like, I'm in the closet. I'm hiding right now. He's he, there's an active shooter. Well, the funny thing about that was that, yeah, I was in the closet at the time. Hey, so right. you're, you're half right. There was another know? conversation to be had there. Yeah. 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 I was in a metaphorical closet, really. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think outrage of any sort is just so boring. And I, I think so much of what people talk about now is boring. And like, I think a lot of like, like, I, I hang out with the funniest people in the world and they're really good at being like, edgy and edgelords and like whatever and like edgelord of like uh with irony not just like ah like shitty I'll, I'll take it i'll take it both ways i don't need it smart i'll i'll, t- I'll take the, yeah. the columbine sweat sweatpants i don't give yeah a yeah i dude i had a friend who for halloween she made a buzzfeed article in like 2011 because she for halloween she wore uh she was Jesus and she had an inflatable doll that was Christ and she was behind it. So she was Jesus fucking Christ. And it made like Buzzfeed's top 10 most outrageous events in costume, <laughs> you know, but I will say, uh, there were those girls that dressed up like Boston bomber, like people for Halloween. It's like, yeah, don't do that. Like use your fucking head. Like Wait. maybe do that as like a joke. Like what if we did that? Ha 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 ha. But to do it, it's like, yo, what? Fucking take a step back, Denise. If they I were mean, doing, that, doing that in a city like Boston, you might get your fucking ass kicked, even if you are a woman. Yeah. I mean, it's all about just like taking a step back and thinking for like one second. A lot of people don't, you know. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey 
to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. See, I'm I'm coming to the defense of Denise. Uh, it's a, she, she look. It's a simple costume. You just get a pressure cooker. You carry it under your arm. It, it's it, it, it's you know maybe you got one in your house. Um, I I'm like uh, I'm closeted on my uh, edge lordness because I. Uh, I, I work in fields where I can't be, uh, uh, I, I would just be inviting so much trouble if I was my true self, which is like, just like an incel collecting serial killer trading cards from the 1990s. Like, like just like saying terrible things online. That is who I am inside. The, but yeah. the ego or the, 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 yeah, the ego is, is that I'm, I think you just outed yourself, Patrick. He, no, this is what he does. He, he does this every single episode. Like half the time we'll talk about like, you see who's getting killed out here. They didn't even really do anything. And then he'll say some shit like, you know, a couple of years ago, a Puerto Rican guy was mean to me. I kind of hated him for a little while. And it's like, what are you doing? Like all we talk about is people getting killed. And then you're saying shit that's going to get you killed. Well, so I, I don't know if well, any, I, I can I can imagine a lot of band dudes have twisted senses of humor, reality, coping because you're definitely. locked in a van with dudes traveling around the country. You got to make each other laugh. It's like gallows humor. Yeah. You like are are you know outdoing each other with who can be the, make the gnarliest joke about this? Who's the more ridiculous yeah. one? We're guys. We're young. We're impressing each other. So like that kind of plays in, and then you become this thing like. So it's not out. And and I always try to take a step back and be like, okay, this person has said this horrible thing. Where are they coming from? Were they trying to make, was their ultimate goal humor? I'm more willing to forgive what you say. If you were going for a joke, I understand what it's like to make bad jokes. I understand what it's like to miss the mark. If you're saying it to be a fucking dick and there's no joke and you're being hateful, fuck you. Well, yeah, yeah, but that's but everybody can tell the difference. I don't care what anybody says. Everybody, even the most dishonest actor, I, can tell the difference. I will say I agree in terms of video, spoken word, podcast, stage, whatever. But when it comes to online, people yes, are so yeah. devoid of context, of understanding, and everybody puts their own bullshit on the written word of what's said, and they you can write a sentence and 10 people take it 50 different ways. And so I feel like when you look at articles or especially when people write about comics jokes, they'll put the joke or they'll put the punchline in quotes. And it's like, yo, you're missing the whole context of what this fucking is. Fuck you. Also, you're expecting me to be mad over what someone said and I'm reading it. I don't know their inflection. I don't know their tone. I don't know them. I'm not familiar with this person's voice. Like, a lot of my followers say, like, when I say stuff online and I type it, they're like, I read this in your voice. This is only funny because I read it in your voice. This is hilarious because I read, like, people know me enough now to know that when they read something I write, they can hear the way I would say it, which is what makes it funny. Whereas if someone else did it, they'd be like, oh, this sucks. And so, like, I think a lot of times people lose that. And so you're totally right. People know. But when you're reading it online, which is our main form of communication, you get fucked. I mean, musicians understand this because if I if I look at my own lyrics just in print form, I would jump off a bridge. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're just yeah. It, it, it requires the delivery to make it work on any level. And and so, again, like I go back to that thing of like when I'm st- on stage, I want to be a hardcore singer. You know, uh, 
peace on earth war on stage like that's me when i'm on stage like i i want to jump around like hr i want to be like fuck it i'll sometimes i'll dance into a punchline like i'm you know like the lead singer of the specials you know like i want that and i want like i i feel like my jokes are like song lyrics where it's like you have to hear it to get it you hear it and you go oh yeah but if you read some of the stuff i say on page it's like i don't get it but then it's on delivery. Delivery is so important in so many of the things we do. And that I really take to heart the musical aspect of my comedy, the music influences of like delivery, 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 performance, writing. The writing is there and it's great, but it's all on how like you can deliver bad news to someone, but it's all on how you say it. You know, you can say anything to anyone. It's all on how you say it, you know? Sure. Yeah, like, for example, I'm trapped under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Under the rubble. Yeah. Help me, FDNY fire truck, film on me. I'm your husband. Don't you love me? <laughs> Would you still love me if a fire truck fell on me? Yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then the woman's like, I'm, I'm getting my keys. I'm bringing the kids. You're like, ah, just kidding. You've been pranked by Patrick. Welcome to a PP. That's a Patrick prank. Awooga. <laughs> exactly. I've got the soundboard. Awooga. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick Franks. That's that's who I that's who I am underneath. Un, under, underneath is the guy yeah. that's in because <laughs> uh, this this sounds dramatic, but when I was a high schooler, uh, I don't. Uh, so remember VHS uh, faces of death, obviously, but the one that yeah. the one that really resonated with me was was Death, the Ultimate Horror, right? It, and it, it was all real it wasn't like uh faces of death it was and when you were like a teenager like you're consuming this stuff at 15 like just like ravenous like at the video store being like oh, oh can i find this off-brand <laughs> right? yeah no now there was a moment that will forever stick out in my mind where a an arab guy was laid in a ditch and, uh. and there was yeah it's a, it's always the start of a good story and uh a guy with a uh, an AK uh, aims it at his face, and probably from like four feet away, right? Patrick. And, <laughs> and my, it, well, listen, this we're not getting racial. It's just he happened to be Arab. Now, the, the, oh, that's uh, not. I didn't care about the race. Just the fact that the guy's in a ditch with a gun to his head. You fucking racist. Go ahead. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. Now listen. Yeah. Oh, no. he's an Arab. All right. Well, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what your, uh, what your leanings are, but the, uh, human, so, I don't want to hear about anybody dying. <laughs> what the fuck's the matter with this guy? <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm watching it on a couch with one of my best friends in the world who is now a father to devout Catholic, uh, like a good guy by anybody's standard. Right. Uh huh. But he's watching it and he's, He's a fucked up young man. Like I'm a fucked up young man. And they start shooting and he's yelling in real time in the face, oh. in the face. And then the next That's... shot, the next shot hits the man right here. And he's and just he's... coming. He's like, you look over, he's jerking <laughs> off. The ejaculate was covering my chest. It, it hits him right here. And his face caves in like a pumpkin. Oh, Patrick. Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying that this is good. You know what I mean? My, my, my heart goes out to that man from 25 years ago that, uh, who, who no longer has a face. But what I'm saying is at that moment, I, I had this really visceral connection between that's horrible 
And also the fact that my friend is doing like little jumps up and down with excitement, <laughs> yeah. the notion that this man could be shot in the face is also hysterically funny. And yeah. So I, my thing, and th this is insensitive and I understand this. I'm, I'm not, I am not a sociopath. I understand that this comes off away, but my, my understanding of the world has always been me laughing about that from, from 9,000 miles away. Yeah doesn't prevent that man's resurrection like he's not he's neither reborn nor this didn't fail that right i can't prevent this from happening you know right. I mean, this has happened and and no, i'm going to, i'm gonna get i agree the you know i agree <laughs> but so, but i will also say that it is scary and jarring to think that that existing should not be in your realm at all like we shouldn't be seeing these things we shouldn't be able to watch a war in the ukraine in real time like we shouldn't be watching tiktoks of like disgusting horrors of war like the fact that everything is so ac accessible to us is is i think more disgusting than watching a man get shot in the face like that's just it's that's they're horrific for two different reasons that make up a wildly horrific whole See, thing that just shouldn't exist like the, God, that poor guy he probably got persecuted and fucking shot in the face for being not the proper religion or something and then we also shouldn't be seeing that because we we shouldn't just be made aware of all these things it's well, fucking gnarly it's so interesting because i think like you know when like the vietnam war was happening people credited the like the huge anti-war movement to the fact that it was so televised at the time but I think what's interesting, and I think kind of what you're saying is like, it's become so ubiquitous and so like mediaized that it's like it's it's having the opposite effect almost where we're like collectively desensitized to all this shit. And it's horrifying. Yeah. I mean, dude, there, there's a whole generation of people that have been looking at pornography on the Internet since they were between like seven and 12 and like looking at horrific people dying or like weird weird fucking internet things that just like young minds shouldn't have access to and some people laugh at it and go oh that's crazy oh my god yeah i was into that what was i thinking i'm gonna be catholic and love my family now or some people get so deep into it that they become a sick twisted freak and they never would have if they didn't have access to that and i think the sick twisted freaks are starting to outweigh the fucking people that go yeah okay well i'm gonna go live a regular life now you know and I, I remember getting bum fights. Me and my friends oh, yeah. stole bum fights from Sam Goody's. And we're like, this is going to be great. Yo. And what's different between me and my friends is that when we put it on and we saw the horror that was happening on the screen, none of us laughed. And I just went up and turned my PlayStation 2 off. And we were like, <laughs> let's just go watch Family Guy. Yo. Like, we just... We, we, we couldn't find the humor in it, but the funny part is my same friend that was like, dude, this is too much. He has become such a, a God level, man. I'm going to see him this weekend in Austin. He's my best friend of all time, but he is a fucking Neanderthal caveman <laughs> and he's your buddy because he was at like a, a NASCAR event, like a fucking race or whatever. He's all drunk and everyone's going, woo, when the car's going around, woo. Car goes around, woo! Guy crashes, 
flies out of the car, Ooh. car gets set on fire, and my buddy stands up and he goes, Woo! Now that's what we came to see. And everyone's like, What? No. So that he's my guy. So I, you know. Now, so you you were repelled by bum fights. I was I was an in, basically an intern for a production company that was trying to rip off bum bum fights with something called cardboard all stars, which I had to put together. A, I had to put together a deck for to try to sell the idea of doing a knockoff bum fights. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. But but you couldn't you you were like, we can't use bums. Let's just use a working poor. And it was called subprime mortgage fight. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean that and that's where we've arrived. Yo, how crazy is it that bum fights was sold in a store? Like you could like that's I can't even fathom that Yo, in today's world. I yes, that was crazy and like exploitative, whatever, whatever. But dude, the guy who created bum fights went on Dr. Phil yes. and right cut on. his hair in a Dr. Phil haircut and he talked to him like this. Amazing. And Dr. Right Phil on. was like, don't you think something's wrong? And he's like, why would I think something's wrong? And I'm like, <laughs> that's dude, that's the funniest fucking shit in the world. This guy is king scumbag and I fucking love it. I don't support it financially, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> Yo, I th That was a great moment. Uh, yeah. Do you did you keep up with the guy that did uh, Girls Gone Wild? Didn't that guy turn out to be <laughs> who to thunk it? That guy turned out to be like the world's biggest scumbag. So that okay. So I guess there was uh, he's so past cultural relevance that I think he had a trial literally like last month and nobody paid attention. But uh, before that, there is this video of him sucking on a dildo high out of his mind because. He was kidnapped. Woo, hold on, I'm, let me I'm, put on my butt. Let me put on my bucket hat because now it's a party. Yeah. <laughs> Your eyes just lit up. So uh -huh. he was kidnapped, drugged, and filmed in a compromising position by people that he, I guess, owed money. And this was this was over this was probably 10, 15 years ago. But uh so when we talk about bum fights being sold in a store and how crazy that is how crazy is it that like the guy that did girls gone wild actually got like a movie style comeuppance, you know what I mean? Like, like it, it, he got like the John wicked with a dildo by like fate just sort like how, I mean, you couldn't plan for a more dramatic type of uh, 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 turn or twist. Like, I, you got to look this up. It's like him, like he's high. He's like, oh, you know what I mean? Like you got to look it up. I mean, good. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy. I mean, God bless him. I spilled a lot of seed to his infomercials, but man, it, that, I mean, it, it is wild to think like, wow, bum fights are sold in stores. <laughs> Fucking naked girls were given alcohol. And we're like, show your tits on screen. And they were yeah. like, what do I get? And they're like, maybe a t-shirt and this guy will yeah. try to kiss you. And they're like, woo, <laughs> like that dude. If that fuck. And you know, it's so funny. Those people raised the people that are now like complaining about everything, probably because they were like, the world is, you gotta, you know, like there's going to everywhere you go, there's going to be some guy who wants to show you there. Have you show your tits? You're like, mom, I'm just going to get milk. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I, I have either of you revisited girls gone wild in the last 10 years. No, I can't say I have. 
All right, so I was. I, I can uh, imagine it's just real fucking creepy. Yeah, it's upsetting. I so I like, I, like as as a child that could get a boner at the uh, sure. at like a cool breeze. It was like great of like oh my god, there's boob. Like I didn't understand the context of anything, but like now it just seems like watching like footage from natural born killers you're like what oh god this is horrific you're also back then i mean especially as a kid but like even like most people probably just didn't think that deeply they see the infomercial and they're like they look like they're having a good time yeah all right whatever i'll jerk off you know Yeah, and also people couldn't connect with other people to the point of like rallying each other to get upset like you'd go to work and be like you see that girl's going wild Pretty wild (laughs) all right well i'm gonna go take care of my family and coach little league yeah yeah. you know (laughs) so that's exactly right. so. I don't. I don't. I'm off the pornography entirely, but I. Good for you, bro. Thank you. It, it's, uh, it's mostly easy because I live with my girlfriend. She's very. She's a very beautiful girl. So I. I don't need to like. So it's. I can't, Let's I, see. I can't. Actress girl gone wild. <laughs> well, I can't claim like any type of. Uh, like I'm on some spiritual journey. I just. But. The you're like I'm not on a spiritual journey. My hot girlfriend's just hosing my hog down every night, and I don't need to jerk off. What can I say? Yeah, what can I say? Not bragging or anything, but not bragging. But my five star Michelin rated piece of ass is just taking care of my business. But here's my point: when I was when I was uh, uh, single, I reinvestigated the Girls Gone Wild era uh, via file share networks and. Uh, it's, it's uh, when Eric says people probably couldn't, th- they probably weren't investigating the, the images that they were seeing and saying, Oh, these girls are exploited. You watch it with a clear vision of an adult. Now there's no way around it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, bro. It, yeah. It's, it's coercion via alcohol and it's yes. fucking disgusting. And like, I very like I, I, a lot of these conversations are boring and like, what do you think of cancel culture? And you couldn't make this movie today. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you probably couldn't, and that does suck. Like, we are almost in a different universe, and I do wish that we could make, like, a Blazing Saddles or a Mrs. Doubtfire or fucking Ace and Shore. Like, those movies were fucking great. They're classics, and I wish everybody would get their head out of their ass and just laugh at shit and realize it's a fucking joke. It's humor. It's art. Fucking grow up. But this is, like, inexcusable, and no anyone... Like, I will go along with, like... Yeah, I wish we could make a, you know, a fucking old school today or like a, you know, a hangover today or something like some like wild, like sex romp comedy. That's like, we get it. It's a fucking movie. They're making bad jokes. I wish we could get that. But the second someone's like, you know, things are different today. You can't make those movies and you can't exploit women and give them alcohol and make them show your tits. We used to be a country. It's like, back up, back up. So. Uh, we're gonna have to workshop the girls gone wild, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire bit. We'll, we'll have to f- figure Mrs. out Mrs. Doubtfire two- gone wild. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna have to figure there. out how that works, but uh, yeah, I uh, th- this one was so like I haven't watched those Woodstock 99 documentaries, right? But like yeah. Eric's consuming them at a, at a record pace, and uh, there is. I'm the guy that likes again. Give me the edgy shit. Give me the offense. Can I? Can I just say real quick? It's very funny that there was already a Woodstock documentary, and Netflix just made new ones. There was yeah. a Firefest documentary. 
Netflix and Hulu made different ones. It's like, yo, they we're at such a point where we're so fucking fed content that like they've already rebooted everything. They're already oh, yeah. doing remakes of remakes. Now they're remaking fucking documentaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, is, and that's that, on the segment of my podcast called "What's the Deal with Kids These Days." <laughs> I mean, that, that is like essentially almost what we do every episode of this podcast. Is like, can you fucking believe they're turning this bullshit out again? Yeah, it's like it's, it's, two fucking Woodstock '99 documentaries at the same goddamn time. Like, yeah, I, we got it. Limp Bizkit incited a riot, and the guys were fucking rapist scumbags. It was hey, come on, it was the '90s. It was the '90s. Come on, but you couldn't do that today. My, that's my point, though. Is like, I, you, I, I'll soak all that up. I like all that shit, but like, Patrick there, was at Woodstock '99. I was at Woodstock '99. Well, Patrick's yeah. fucking old. He was probably fucking working the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I was a grizzled I was a grizzled roadie by that point. Yeah. I, I was uh working for Kid Rock for four years. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick's so old, he was at the first Woodstock. Come on, guys. <laughs> hey. Uh, uh but my thing is you do reach a point where like the uh girls gone wild, uh pouring vodka down a girl's throat uh, and giving her beads in exchange for sucking on her titties, and uh the uh Woodstock 99 sort of like everybody's having a good time, but wait, this girl can't, can't crowd surf without getting violated. Like those things are clearly bad. And I think that, I think you nailed it. Like we kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater where we're like, we're like, you know what? Rape's bad. And I guess the hangover is kind of edgy. They're the same thing. You know what I mean? Let's let's, let's throw them into the sun. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you look at a show like South Park, dude, that, like you watch old episodes, you're like, how the fuck did they get away with this? And they can still get away with it because they're such a cultural institution that they're like grandfathered into the zeitgeist. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's them. And they've stuck to their guns. God bless them. Greatest. I, I truly think one of the top five greatest television shows of, of all time and especially top three comedies of all time, without a doubt. And it's so funny that a generation that grew up on that type of humor in that show is now the same generation wagging its finger at things and being like, no, 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 not this, not that. And it's like, you know, but that's the thing, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. There's no nuance. There's no context. There's no it's it's all or nothing. It's black and white thinking. And there's a lot of fucking gray. The the gray is pretty fucking fun to fool around in, you know, Limp, Limp Biscuit is back for kids. At the same time that they're being like implicated in like the rape riot of '99, yeah, like, literally they're like set more fires, show your boobies, punch her in the pussy, and then they put out dad vibes, which is a great song, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm, a, I've said this before. There's a period of uh, of Limp Biscuit that like really nobody cares about. I don't think that has the only Limp Biscuit song that I like and music video, which is for Gold Cobra. I really urge everybody to check out Gold Cobra. Which I mean, is that's just, a deep cut. <laughs> it's women. The video is women being shot in the mouth with a leaf blower. It is the the most fun. Like it's when Limp Biscuit was like, we're not culturally relevant, but we still have a budget. I guess this is what we do. We drive a Maserati around the LA river and shoot women in the mouth with leaf blowers so that they look like, like dogs doing the underwater thing. Like it, it, is, it is a great fucking music video. Everybody in the sound of my voice, please go investigate that next. But uh, 
Eric, do you have any more questions for Ian? Or I don't want to keep him all night because you you probably do things at night. Is that right? You got like like uh, spots and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, yeah. We've, we've kept you for a while. You got, uh, but I. No, well, I, hey, I, I wanted to go back to your question, you know, because earlier you were like, you know, I, I did open mics and I found it like clicky and like, how do you navigate that? I, I mean, I, I guess like the best way to navigate those different things is just being funny. Sure. And uh, well, you'll be welcomed well, into any circle. So <laughs> nice try, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but I realize, I kind of realized that shit is like everywhere in life. Like it wasn't just the music scene. It's not just comedy. Like I work in television now and that's just like how fucking people organize themselves. And it's like yeah. I had this sort of moment where it's like I better figure out how to navigate. These yeah, I'm, I mean, I feel like we we are fucking outer base animals and we are tribal and you do find your tribe and you kind of navigate towards whatever. But I, you know, I was an only child. I'm more of like a lone wolf and I, I'm, um, I go to different groups and I get along with everybody because then I have the option of being able to leave and like slink into my own thing, you know, cause I'm not beholden to hanging out with this group of people all night. But, you know, like I said, I don't like bad blood and I like being able to go around and get along with everyone. And, you know, humor is a very easy key to society of being able to maneuver and get into different groups. And when I realized I'm my best self, when I am myself, I found I didn't, I didn't need to be in a click or I didn't desire being in that click because I could just be myself. And I was let in pretty easily. You know, the only thing that held me back from different groups was myself. Not that I was shut out. I was shutting myself out yeah. and I can convince myself no one wants me around or these people don't like me. And then the second I show up, they're like, dude, where you been? We missed you. Come on in. Our hands been out for you the whole time. You just chose not to hold on to it. You know, right. so. See, I, you're entirely too upbeat. I'm going to give you a, a different vantage if I can. Go what for it. Not you. And I, I, I'm explicitly saying this isn't Eric I'm referring to, but w- what if your best self is the, is the false self? What if the best self is not your, when you're being yourself? What if the thing that you like, like the Patrick Bateman style, what if the thing that you are putting out to the world is actually safer than, than what's inside? This is not, I'm not referring to myself. I don't have, I'm not. <laughs> you're like, what if you're a guy that loves watching people get shot in the head, but you <laughs> are a friendly podcast, Bella. What do you, how do you, how do you navigate the world that way? Uh, <laughs> that's like, it's a lot to think about. Yeah. I mean, again, like there are those people and I, I think it's just like real soul searching and realizing what you want, what you value, how your behavior, does your behavior either bring you towards your values or does it take you away from your values? And if you're living a life that brings you towards your values and you feel that your values are good and on, on point and everything, like if your values are like being a shit talker and fucking causing drama and like lying and making, pitting people against each other. And so I'm doing this and that's what I value. It's like, you're like not a good person. You'll get yours in the end because karma is real. But I mean, like I, if you, if you are like, I, I don't know. I found true happiness for me when I figured out who I was and how to live as authentically me as possible. And I hope that the same for everyone. And if your authentic self is, you know, a curmudgeon, like fucking mean guy or whatever, it's like, well, then people are going to love you for that. Like people are going to love you as long as you're you and people are pretty smart and they can sniff it out, especially audiences. You know, I'm in front of hundreds of different people every single night in every fucking part of this country. And as dumb 
as these motherfuckers are again, like tribally, animally, instinctually, they can smell when you're not being authentic. They can smell when you're living in fear. They can feel the energy and, and energy is so important in different things. And as long as you're emanating the energy that's true to yourself, you'll draw the people that need to be drawn to you. And I, maybe, you know, this scene a little bit, I don't know. I don't know what kind of hardcore you enjoy broadly, but <clears throat> Will Killingsworth is this fella in, in a, he was in the band Orchid and then he was in Ampere and he is sort of that Western Massachusetts screamy music is what yeah. he is, but he's, he's now an engineer and a mastering guy, really great at what he does, but he's also the most even keel, nice guy I've ever met. Yeah. So, and he's recorded me a lot of times. And whenever we're alone and it's just me in a booth and, and everybody else is gone and it's just him doing the engineering, me in a booth, I go, Will, you can say the racial shit you want to say now. You know what I mean? Like you, 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 you can, it's just you and I, there's not a, yeah. nobody, but the, you, me and God. Now yeah. I hope to have you on in the future. Cause I, I I'm going to do the same to you uh -huh. where I'm going, where I'm going to try to get you into a negative mind frame where I talk about like you doing shows in like Fort Wayne, Indiana. Like uh -huh. I'm going to try to get you into places where you can't say anything positive. And then I'm going to thrill at, at watching, uh, watching you say something negative. Cause you are, you are like on some high vibration shit. You, you are, you are like seven year sober guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like <laughs> you, you're on that, but I'm going to, I'm, yeah, I'm going to try bro. to get you to say some, something. And there's Ooh. a difference between not drinking and being sober. Sure. And oh, yeah. I'm a sober guy that doesn't drink. And you're a guy, a not drinker <laughs> that fucking is hanging by a thread. <laughs> I, I, I'm, sp I'm spiritually shooting dope. Yeah. <laughs> brother, you are a dressed up trash can, brother. <laughs> uh, Ian, th hey, to go back to what you said. If, if look, man, some people can get racial and you can pull it out of them. And, you know, <laughs> if, if you want that for me, you're going to have to hang out on a long drive to Toledo, brother. There we go. <laughs> What's said when the windows are rolled up doesn't leave the car before uh, before you bounce plug. I know you got a new podcast going on. Plug your shit. Well, boys and girls, I'd like to first and foremost say thank you for having me on the podcast, man. No, no bullshit. I fucking love drug church. My buddy, Marky Quinlan got me into you guys. He's a drummer for hop along. I don't know if you know them, but uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. We, we fucking geek out on your stuff and even get to, you know, talk to you and fucking, I'm so glad you hooked us up, Eric. So yeah. thank you, man. Like I really, you, you guys were on my like winter of 2019 most played and you got me through into the pandemic and everything and fucking you guys rock, man. I, I love you. And connecting with you is really cool, dude. Um, and if anyone listening wants to connect with me, you can check out my new podcast, being Ian with Jordan. It's uh, youtube.com slash being Ian pod, patreon.com slash being Ian pod. We have a lot of, we have three tiers with some really cool shit, extra episodes, advice episodes. You know, Jordan is, she's my best friend. She's a fucking hilarious comic and we're both frantic, manic lunatics, but she, focuses more on the existential like darkness of it and i bring out the light you know and then when i'm like in my darkness she's the light so we we fit together really well and it's it's a lot of fun man and um i can be found on instagram twitter and twitch i animal six nine and uh i got a ton of dates coming up too man ianfidance.com uh when does this come out 
Uh, probably oh. Monday or Tuesday oh. next week. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm going to be at American Comedy Company in San Diego, California, August 18th and 19th. Uh, the 25th, I'm going to be in Ben Salem. Uh, I'm going to Pennsylvania. I'm going to be in Portland, Maine. I got some gigs in Los Angeles coming up. I'm going to be at Stand Up Live Arizona, Bray Improv, Pittsburgh Improv, opening for the great David Tell oh, at yeah. Cap City, Austin. Um, and uh, a lot of other fun stuff, man. Ianfinance.com. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. This was a fucking blast. Dude, Thank you, you're, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate you. I've always felt, I've always, I've, I've followed you for a little while. I always thought you're hilarious. And I felt that, again, that ska thing, that special kinship, you know? Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Yeah. Everybody, you know what it is. Worst possible time. Uh, Patreon.com slash worst possible timeline. Go there. You get extra stuff. Yeah, there we go. Uh, you go to at WP Timeline on Twitter. You go 205-509-9785. Give us a call. Leave us a message. Worst possible timeline at gmail.com. And we'll get you next time. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, fellas. It is now 2024. And the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcasts favorite podcast do you enjoy nothing <laughs> so do we why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts thank you <laughs>